Hello everyone, it's Mark Goodacre here. Welcome to the NT Pod, the podcast all about the New Testament and Christian origins. It's episode 47 and today we're asking, did Jesus exist? Back in 2001, I took part in a BBC documentary called The Son of God, which was shown in America as Jesus the Complete Story, with a slightly different narration, but otherwise more or less the same. And in the UK, there was a programme called Right to Reply, and I took part in that uh, episode of Right to Reply, uh, responding to one of the critics of the programme, a certain Timothy Freak. And Timothy Freak's problem with the programme was that we'd simply assumed the existence of Jesus. We didn't argue for the existence of Jesus, and he felt this was problematic. And he wanted to push the issue that there was no historical Jesus. And he wanted to argue that everything that we think we know about him was actually derived by the evangelists from a range of other sources and they created this as a kind of a myth they projected jesus as a historical person when in fact in reality there was no jesus of nazareth and one of the things that i put to tim freak in response to this was was to say well was it just jesus as a first century figure that he was skeptical about or was he skeptical about other figures that are mentioned by the sources in the first century and by people like josephus and so on i mean is he skeptical about the existence of herod or caiaphas or Pilate or some of these characters and of course there is a bit of a problem with that in that these kind of characters do lead, leave a bit more than just a literary trace. Uh, they have coins, and in the case of uh, Pilate, there's, there's this great step which was discovered which, which mentions his name. But therein, of course, lies the problem as well, because you'd expect that kind of thing for political figures like that, wouldn't you? Individual punters, remarkable ones even, wouldn't have left that kind of record. We're not going to find a coin with Jesus's name on it from the first century. We're not going to find a dirty great step with his name on it. We're not going to find his portrait or any of his writings or anything like that. And this is the difficulty when you're doing ancient history, that figures like Jesus only survive in the memories of those that talk about them. And those memories generate traditions, the traditions feed into things that ultimately become the literary records. Now, of course, the problem then about dealing with memories is that memories are so easily influenced, we might even say contaminated by other things. When you look back on someone's life, you start describing them in terms of the reputation that they have and and the, the, your kind of assessment of their character. And in Jesus's case, nobody was able in the period when, when they're talking about him in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, no one was able to say these things without thinking about his resurrection. So very quickly, the historical Jesus becomes the Christ of faith. The Lord that's proclaimed by the church isn't simply this person that was walking around in Galilee in the first century, but actually also becomes the exalted Christ. And that influences the way that they talk about the character. And that then makes the historian's job really difficult. And the thing is, This is the invitation, I think, to the mythicists, because they rightly see all this rather exalted language about Jesus, and I think they wrongly 
infer from that that the exalted language is absolutely key in in a way that it, it sort of rules out a kind of historical existence for the figure and one of the things i think we should do is is side with the mythicists to the extent that they're pointing out something important which is just how early and how striking some of the exalted language about Jesus is because when you look at this language it's amazing that within you know a decade or so of Jesus's death you've got people talking about him as Lord and Christ and King of the cosmos and so on I mean the mythicists case it, it often begins with Paul and and they notice the, the the character that he talks about is a kind of cosmic redeemer a heavenly figure his name is Christ Christ Jesus Lord Jesus Christ and he still reigns in heaven and he's going to be worshipped by everyone and all of this is of course true as also is the point that often gets made that Paul doesn't really tell us as much as we would like to know I appeared on Right to Reply on another occasion, back in 1984. I was much younger then, and luckily I've lost the video of that because it would be a little bit embarrassing seeing the precocious 17-year-old uh, 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 saying what he was saying, but I remember it very clearly. I went down to Charlotte Street in London and went into the video box there and filmed this little minute or so complaining about a series called Jesus the Evidence. Now, Jesus the Evidence was a fascinating documentary on Channel 4, which is a new which, which was on Channel 4, which was, a, which was a new channel at the time. And it caused a bit of a stir, this series. And one of the things that it, that it did is it had a character called uh, Professor George Wells, who argued that Jesus didn't exist. There wasn't a lot of him in the first episode, but there was enough of him to create a bit of an impact. And uh, I've dug out a little clip from it, which I'll, uh, I'll illustrate now. And at this point, he's talking about what Paul says or doesn't say about Jesus. To say I was surprised by what I found would not be quite correct, for I had long felt uneasy about Christian claims about Jesus, but I didn't quite expect to find what I did. As I searched through Paul's letters, I discovered he makes no mention of Jesus' parents, his place of birth, where he lived, or even when he lived. I searched further, and there was no mention of his trial before Pilate, nor of Jerusalem as his place of execution. Not a word either of John the Baptist, or Judas, Judas Iscariot, or Peter's denial of his master. And if you put all this evidence, or rather lack of evidence, together, I think one has seriously to consider whether Jesus existed as a historical figure in first century Palestine. Now, Professor Wells's view is is very much a minority view, and he he's not a scholar, professional scholar of the New Testament. I think he was actually a German professor. I actually met him many years later on as a much older man, and we had a had a enjoyable uh, conversation. But um, the way that I would react to what he says there is, is is to say that he's right in pointing out that there is something strange about the way that Paul doesn't give us lots and lots of detailed biographical information about Jesus. But then we have to remember that the letters are occasional, they're contingent. And in a way, we're not expecting him to do that kind of thing. And if I might refer back to an earlier episode of the NT pod, one of the things I did a few weeks ago is I talked about the way that people underestimate how much Jesus tradition there actually is in the letter of, letters of Paul. And the thing is with Paul, 
Although he didn't know Jesus himself, he did know people who knew Jesus. I mean, uh, Professor Wells talks in that excerpt about how Paul doesn't mention Peter's denial, but he does mention Peter lots of times. And he, he even talks in Galatians 1 about how he spent a couple of weeks with Peter in Jerusalem. And, you know, Wells, you know, talks about how, you know, we don't find out where Jesus died in Paul's letters, but we do find out where Paul spent a couple of weeks talking to his closest follower and also his brother James in Jerusalem. And in uh, 1 Thessalonians, we have a link uh, between Jesus's death and Judea. So it's very easy to overstate the extent to which Paul doesn't tell us these things. And actually, 1 Corinthians and 1 Thessalonians are relatively rich in Jesus' tradition. And the thing is, these, these, these early figures like Peter and, and James, we have to remember that on the evidence from Paul, they themselves were already, t- already talking about Jesus in this exalted way because they felt they'd seen the resurrected Jesus. So to them... The figure that they had known was already someone that they saw in this very special, different way because they believed in the resurrection. So their memories are influenced, if you want to say contaminated, or or that they're affected by the resurrection faith that they have. You see, I think the problem with the mythicist case, especially as you see it in someone like Wells, is that it comes from the fact that we tend to be more familiar with the Gospels than we are with Paul. And the Gospels set up a certain expectation then of what we should see in Paul. And then when we don't see Paul talking about the parables or the miracles or, uh, you know, Nazareth or these things, we think to ourselves, well, you know, why is he not talking about those things? And in a way, it's the kind of the wrong way around to look at it. Uh, we, we kind of get an unreasonable expectation because we've got those detailed biographies in the ancient sense of biographies coming before we get the letters of Paul. I like the work of the mythicist though in many ways and I think one of the reasons that it's useful is that it keeps people like me honest. And I think it's always good as a scholar to be challenged about these things and to say and to say to ourselves, well, why is it that we are persuaded in the case of Jesus for example that he was an historical figure? I mean, when I used to do this kind of topic in class, I often used to say, well, of course Jesus was a historical figure because he gets referred to by the, histor- the Jewish historian Josephus, I've mentioned once already. Uh, he gets referred to by the Roman historian Tacitus. He gets referred to by Suetonius. And so, you know, these, these figures all uh, talking about Jesus as if he's a historical figure. But someone pointed out to me that actually all that shows is that they that their sources, people like Tacitus and Josephus and Suetonius, their sources were people who believed that Jesus was a historical figure. They haven't got an in, independent pipeline going back to Jesus. So, you know, I've stopped using that in that kind of way. But my problem with this with the Methodist is that they have a scepticism that isn't a healthy scepticism. It's not a kind of a balanced or a reasonable kind of scepticism. Because I think in the Jesus who walks the pages of the Gospels, we do occasionally glimpse the contours of a man who walked from Galilee, a distinctive particular man who has a particular kind of profile. And that's not to accept blindly what's in the Gospels. And anyone that's listened to the NT pod before will know that I like to explain and be open about historical questions. But I think we should be wary of the kind of hyper-scepticism which begins from a position of thinking that we must know absolutely nothing. 
You see, the denial of the existence of a figure like Jesus simply puts a kind of intolerable burden on the text that we're studying. And after all, 